How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. You only want what's best for your baby. And so does BJ's. BJ's offers a variety of baby products that will take you from playtime to bath time to bedtime and beyond. Shop now through September 24th at BJ's for $3 off Johnson's, Aveeno, or Desitin baby products. Only the best will do when it comes to caring for your little ones and for parents, too. Give your baby that special care and save big at BJ's. Welcome to The Approach Shot, the golf show that's more laughs than links, more stories than strokes, more guffaws than golfers. Here are the hosts of The Approach Shot, John Ashton and Neil Michaels. That is us. I'm John Ashton. He's Neil Michaels. We do The Approach Shot. I think we could say together we are the approach shot. Can we say that? Okay. Sure. Together, yeah, together we, are we are the approach shot. And we said yeah, it together. Because, <laughs> because separately we have names, but together, yeah. unless we want to name ourselves like a boy band, <laughs> the approach shot would probably be the way to go. It would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We have another opportunity for people to geek out. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Baseball fans everywhere know this guy. Baseball fans on the West Coast, especially, love this guy. Yeah, it's it's Brett Boone. It's Brett Boone. It's it is um, it is baseball royalty, as we talked about. The fact is that this this family started with his grandpa, who was a two time All Star, and his dad, who was an All Star, and his brother, who was an All Star, and he was an All Star. In <laughs> fact, the- he was a multiple time All Star, multiple time Gold Glover, multiple time Silver Slugger winner. <gasps> yeah. But there was no pressure. None. None at all. Right. We, we, we're talking before we came on and it's like, no, this will be fine. Actually, you know, people say, do you get nervous when you talk to these these athletes and like Jeff Garcia and Ken Harvey? And when we talk to, to some of these other people and most of the time it's no. But I have to tell you, going into this, I was a little bit worried because there's such a lineage of greatness in their family mm-hmm. that if we stunk up the joint, we would not continue that lineage of greatness. <laughs> it would have hit a dead stop right where John and Mike become the, the, the throat shot. <laughs> yeah, it's over. And we promise not to sing. We've, we've uh, done that you, repeatedly. You, you can say that all you want to, <laughs> but I can tell you that it's just going to come out of me every once in a while. And you can say, but it may or may not actually happen. Right. Well, we'll monitor that closely. I found my button. Okay. <laughs> and also, we're, we're going to uh, go back, way back, back into time, because we understand yeah. that uh, there are many more people who listen to us on a regular basis now than have listened to us at the inception of this podcast. Yes. Uh, and we're going to bring back one of the uh, early guests we had for Golf is a Funny Game. And she was maybe one of the funniest. And yeah. we didn't know how good we had it back then when we had her on. Gally Krupp, who is an hysterical comedian. If you're a fan of one-liners, somebody who just boom, 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 boom. 
take a listen because I know when people say to me, tell me a joke, your brain freezes. Mm -hmm. If you you listen to her, you'll get a handful of really good ones that you'll never forget. Exactly. So, Brett Loon, Gally Coop, and you, Motley Coop. Coming up with the Approach Shot. Hang out. Be right back. Ever go out to your favorite restaurant and wonder how they consistently make such delicious food? The short answer? They have access to professional quality kitchen tools. Well, now those same tools are available to anyone with made-ins cookware and kitchenware. Hey there, it's Neil, and it's no secret that I love to cook. So I got the made-in cookware carbon steel set, and I can't wait to break it out and use it this weekend. Made-in products are made to last, and they offer a lifetime guarantee. Made-in uses the finest materials to make professional quality kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Right now, Made-in is offering listeners of The Approach Shot 15% off your first order with promo code APPROACH. That's the best discount anywhere online for made-in products. Go to madeincookware.com approach and use promo code APPROACH for 15% off your first order. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com approach and use promo code APPROACH for 15% off. Made-in. Better cookware for better meals. Kicking back with a good cigar, it's a reward. It's a tradition. And if you've been going to a gas station or convenience store, it's expensive. It's time to try FamousSmoke.com. Famous delivers your favorite cigars right to your doorstep at America's lowest prices. You know what you buy at a gas station? Gas. Beef jerky, lottery tickets, not cigars. That gas station doesn't watch their humidor like we watch ours. Filled to the rafters with over 1,000 brands like Romeo, Drew Estate, Rocky Patel, Fuente, Macanudo, and more. Millions of cigars in stock, shipped fast, and guaranteed to arrive at your door fresh and ready to smoke. No gas station guarantees that, but we can because cigars have been our family business for over 80 years. Here's our best deal yet. Go to FamousSmoke.com and use promo code 10 bucks at checkout. That's one zero bucks. We'll take 10 bucks off your $50 order. If you want real cigars, trust a real cigar shop. Famous Smoke Shop and save $10 now with promo code 10 bucks. Only a Famous Smoke.com. It is us, of course, the approach shot. I am John Ashton. He is Neil Michelson. We've got another hero, I guess. And this time it's Neil's turn to geek out about some I was baseball. Going to, I was going to say that he could be technically baseball royalty. With all due respect to the Griffies and to the Bonzes, this is what a baseball family really looks like. The best baseball family in history because they're the only ones that had three generations of all-stars. That's true. So sorry, Ken and Barry, but <laughs> this is them. Brett Boone is joining us today from the uh, from the Boone family. Welcome to the show, Brett. Thanks for having me on, guys. And just to make sure I don't have to hate you, you're not in any relation to the guys who made the apple wine, right? <laughs> Nothing draws us to them, to the Boone's farm. I will tell you, though, there will be hatred from John anyway, Brett, because John grew up in Boston. John may have a short memory here, but John, it is Brett's brother, Aaron, that broke your heart <laughs> in 2003. That's right. That's right. Remember, we're talking about Aaron to frickin' Boone. That was the first <laughs> night that I allowed people to call me Aaron's brother. I said only for a night. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now he's you know he's skipper in the Yankees over there, so I, I hear it a little more often. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, probably. So, yeah, probably in two thousand and one, he was thinking, you know, people are going to call me Brett's brother. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the younger brother is always the younger brother. He's still Brett's brother. But like I said, in, in the world now, uh, I accept it. I can handle a little bit now. Actually, I'm I'm very proud of what Aaron's doing uh, over there in New York. You know, he's he's done a good job. And, and for his first three years, the track record, getting those guys the postseason. Now, hopefully this year, when, when I break down teams and divisions and, and the game of baseball, I, I try to take that brother hat off and, and be as transparent as possible. But but, you know, of course, a part of me is always keeping one eye on the Yankees, see how they're doing. And, uh, you know, hopefully this year they can they can push a little farther than they have the last couple. They definitely are having trouble keeping people on the field. It seems like every time they get on a roll, they get they get guys hurt. That's that's kind of been their M.O. the last two or three years, the, the years that Aaron's been there. You know, it's it's keeping them together. And that's that's why I think uh, they've done such a good job. And it's not just Aaron. It's from it's from the top down. It's from Cashman down, giving him those players in the last few years that have you know worked out great. And all of a sudden, three quarters of the team's down and you're still coming in winning 100 games. That's tough to do. And that's a <laughs> that's a tribute to the whole organization from top to bottom, from getting you to players to to, to managing the players. And, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen this year? We'll see. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk some golf with you in a bit, but I would be remiss if we did not talk about the 2001 Mariners because as a baseball geek myself, you know, you guys had you, Edgar, Ichiro, you hit 37 home runs, finished third in the MVP voting. If a guy hit 37 home runs and had a 335 batting average today, not only would be he be MVP, but he would have gotten a $200 million contract. I mean, that was pretty remarkable team and a great year. It was, I'll tell you, that was, that was a magical year. And yeah, of course, you know, as as your career follows you around, you're, you're known for a few things. That 2001 team and always seems to come up. You know, and I tell the story all the time. In 99, I was, I played on a pretty good Braves team. We went to the World Series, got beat by the New York Yankees. And I remember pulling into to training camp and I had just been traded. And a couple of us were new players over there in Atlanta. And it was Brian Jordan, myself, and a few other guys. And Bobby Cox, you know, as the managers do each and every year. He was addressing the club and he was saying, and this is for the new guys here. What we do in Atlanta is I put that lineup on the board. And we go steamroll people. And sure enough, that's what we did. And I think we won a hundred plus breeze through the playoffs, got to the, got to the world series and ended up losing that year. Yep. But I was from the, the school of all this aura and all this team chemistry. It's a bunch of BS. You get the best talent and you beat the crap out of your opponent every night. <laughs> and that's the school I was from until that 2001 season. And that's not taking anything away from the talent level we had. We were ridiculously talented. I mean, we had batting champs, MVPs, gold glovers all over that field to do what we did, you know, to say the least came unexpected and to win at that pace and win 116 games. I I don't think we'll ever see it again in my lifetime. And it was such a veteran team. A lot of guys had been there, done that before, but you know, we had a lot of fun with it. And I think we got to a point in the season where we were winning at such a ridiculous clip. And it wasn't an arrogant thing, but it was a look. It was a glance. You know, we're going through a, something pretty special right now. At the time, we didn't want to stop and parse it and break it down and figure out why is this happening? We just said, let's roll with it because we'll probably never see it again in our lifetime. And, and yep. the only thing that kind of haunts all of us to this day is how did we not finish the deal that year? You know, some things are just meant to be. And uh, we thought it was meant to be, and we ended up getting beat by the Yankees in the second round of the playoffs. But uh, what a, what a great group of guys where I was enlightened and I learned something new in the game that yes, there is something to team chemistry and there is something to aura. Uh, It doesn't come around. You can't fabricate it, 
but it does exist. And, and that was, that was the proof for me in 2001. How do you guys deal with a situation like that though, where, where you're, you, you feel you're destined and suddenly you run into the Yankees and it's, it's over. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a weird year because uh, we started off and we won 20 games in April and, you know, we had a rough spring. I remember Lou Pinella kind of giving us some crap at the end of the spring training. And it was a veteran team. So you know how to handle that. And we won 20 games in April and we're kind of like so much for that, that speech Lou gave us at the end of spring. <laughs> and then we won tw- and then we won 20 in May. We get to the all-star break up something ridiculous, 15, 18 games in, in a division, which at the time was the powerhouse of baseball, the American League West. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we start, we, we get to the all-star break. And, uh, you know, the, the only thing that was different, that was Ichiro's first year, as you mentioned in the opening. And the fanfare that came with that uh, from the Japanese side was probably something, well, Hideo Nomo had brought it a few years prior. Mm-hmm. But to this level, I don't think we'd ever seen that. So we had that. And now all of a sudden we're on this record pr- pace to break the all-time record. So you kind of had a postseason press corps following you around. Normally during the course of the season, you know, you have your beat writers and you have the guys that, that follow the team on a daily basis. But we kind of had a national press corps from well, probably mid-season on. Um, so it was almost that 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 playoff type atmosphere. It was the same question: Are you going to break the record? Are you going to tie the record? You know, and and after a while, it's like I don't know. We're on a pretty good pace, but you can never say you're going to do it. And it finally happened. We won that 116th, and it was kind of like, whew, finally, this is over. We can stop with the question. Oh, wait a minute, we still have the postseason. And that was the 9/11 year, of course. Uh, you know, that was a pretty big big disruption to our country, but. From a psychological standpoint, we were all in the same boat together. All the teams, what I'm saying in Major League Baseball. So that didn't have a, I don't think, effect one way or the other on the Mariners in particular. Went to the first round of the playoffs, beat Cleveland. Once again, it it wasn't from from a stance of arrogance. It was from a stance of, well, we'll handle Cleveland. That's not a big deal. And we ended up beating them three, three and two. Went to New York, and the last thing on our mind is what if we lose? It was already a foregone conclusion mm-hmm. that it might be a good series, but we're going to win this series. And I and I just remember getting on that bus when we got beat in New York, and and kind of closed out and getting on that bus and just looking at, around at everybody like did that just happen? Wow. And uh, you know that's why I appreciate it. certain things in your life you you go through and you experience. And it gives you an appreciation for how hard it is to win a World Series and how hard it is to get that ring and how important it is. And it it, it really put that put that in perspective for me. And and uh, so when when somebody wins a world championship, you know, you'll hear both sides of the ledger. You'll hear, oh, that wasn't the greatest team and they shouldn't have won. And they weren't. The, I'll tell you what, to win one of those is so special and so hard mm-hmm. that that ring they're about to receive next year. It doesn't matter what you say on paper, all that. This ring, that ring says we were the best team. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so so to me, each and every year when the World Series uh, winners are crowned, it, it's pretty cool. I look at those guys and, and a part of me, a small part of me, because <laughs> I'm still bitter. Uh, <laughs> a small part of me really feels cool for each and every one of those guys because I know how tough it is to win. Yeah. Oh, cool. One of your greatest teammates was Mark McLemore, and he called you the Boone. Is that it? Did he start the nickname? He started it. That that is actually accurate. You know, that year was a pretty special year for me individually. Probably a month into the season, and and I was doing a 
not a press conference, but after, you know, I had 10 or 15 guys and, and I was answering questions and Mac was coming back from the food room or something. And he, and he kind of ducked into the interview and he said, by the way, guys, that ain't Booney. He goes, I played with Booney, and, you know, because Mark had played with my dad with the Angels. Right. He goes, that's the boom. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I kind of whatever, Mark. All right, let me finish this interview. I got to go ice my, you know, my shoulder. <laughs> And uh, it just kind of took on a life of its own, you know, and that's right when the Maddox Glavin chicks dig the long ball and then people are (laughs) chicks dig the, yeah, it it took on a life of its own and I kind of embraced it. My teammates liked it. So I'd walk into the clubhouse and somebody yell at me, the boons here. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was just kind of a shtick that I did for my time in, in Seattle. And it was fun and, and people liked it and the fans liked it. I didn't take myself very serious in those days. You know, at that point, I'd had 10 years in the big leagues. I'd been through some some humbling times and some great times. But at that point in my life, I was just enjoying it. Uh, and that's what that's kind of what my teammates expected out of me, that personality. So I gave it to them. It was a lot of fun. Mac, man, talk about a big part of that 2001 team. Macklemore asked to play all over the field. He was playing third, short, second, left field. Uh, him and Stan Javier were the two guys that really were all over the place and did a great job for that team. A lot of unsung heroes. There were the there were the numbers. You know, a lot of guys had great years that year, but there were a lot of guys that were unsung heroes of that 2001 team. Macklemore being being definitely one of them. Did anybody in your family ever call you the Boon? No, that would have been a first big of, thing. First of all, yeah. First of <laughs> all, my dad. If you know my family, there's too much pride going around. They're more interested. And taking the other side of an argument uh, with me and debating no matter how right I am. So that wasn't going to happen. Nobody was going to call me the uh, that was that was for teammates. And, and like I said, it was it was something we didn't take too serious, but we had fun with. But my siblings and, and my family, uh, there's a line they draw, and that's one they would never call. <laughs> I could picture that at Thanksgiving, can't you? All right, the Boone's going to carve the turkey now, and all of you get up at the same time. <laughs> right, right. No. Well, speaking of uh, ser- taking things seriously and having fun, we understand that you play a little bit of golf. A little golf. And we may come back and talk about that in just a few seconds, Brett, so hang out. We are the approach shot. Guys, are you wedding ring shopping or do you remember when you were? It was and should have been all about your wife. But what about you? Not so much? Then you don't know about manly bands. Manly bands are super cool, dude. And I only say it like that because I'm loving the manly band that I chose. The Surfer. I get compliments on it all the time. Gnarly! You golfers need to check out the Double Eagle in Manly Band's sports collection. Perfect for any golfer. Or check out Manly Band's MLB collection or the Jack Daniel Whiskey Barrel collection, just to name a few. If you're married and have a ring, get another one. You don't own just one ball cap, do you? Here's a special offer for listeners of The Approach Shot. Order your Manly Band and get 21% off plus a free silicone ring. Just go to manlybands.com approach. That's manlybands.com approach for 21% off. Manly Bands. The best damn rings, period. Told you we'd be back, and voila, here we are. I still have yet to lie to y'all. 
I'm John Ashton. He is Neil Michaels. We are the Approach Shot. Brett Boone, our guest here this week. And and Brett, you've got your favorite golf club. You were telling us earlier, your two iron. Is it working for you? Oh, I haven't got it yet. I haven't got it. I haven't got it yet. No, I just got fitted uh, for it, huh? Okay. No, I just got fitted. I haven't been fitted in a while. Technology's really even come a long way in the last two, three, four years. Yeah. Really excited about my two iron. I'm ripping that thing. My my biggest thing is is the spin on the ball. I, I, I too much. Whatever he was doing, I don't I don't get involved in all that. The the technical side of it. Just give me a club that's gonna that's gonna take off and is gonna have as little spin as possible. Yeah. Whatever he was doing was working on that range. I'll probably have those clubs in about three weeks. I'm excited. But I've been excited before. And, and <laughs> you know, I look back to about 1997, 1998, when I was really starting to play quite a bit in the, in the off season. And I was looking at myself the other day and I, I had a good round and I played well. And I thought, you know, I'm not 1% better than I was 20 some years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and I've still been playing quite a bit. So I'm not improving. I'm, I'm kind of holding serve at uh, I'm, I'm kind of a week five. And okay. I've been a week five for a long time, but I, I, I don't work on my game. When when I have the time to play golf, I like to just go out and play with the guys, take my shots from the good players. Sometimes I, I win and sometimes I don't. But uh, I, I love the game, very passionate about it. You know, other than baseball, really from a hobby standpoint, you know, one of my favorite courses or or playing in a little mini tournament against against other athletes is a lot of fun for me. I really mm-hmm. enjoy it. Yeah. Getting fitted though, man, that's because I, I just got fitted for the first time in my life too. And like you didn't understand the, the swing speed and the ball speed and the spin rates. And I got, I don't care. Just, I like this one because it went farther, you know, on, on the screen. <laughs> I really like this one. It felt well, good. I don't need, I don't need distance. I just need control of it. Yeah. I, I just don't want it going up the, up the, what do they call it? Elevator shaft. That's, <laughs> that's what my ball's doing. The, yeah. the thing is, I can't get my ball down. Ah, you know, and so I, I need that real low degree. I just have that steep, that steep kind of still a lot of baseball swing to my golf swing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that doesn't work very good. Yeah. But I can, I can manipulate it and move it around the course. When you were playing baseball, were you able to play golf during the season or did it mess up your swing? I would make special exceptions during the season if it was the right course. If we were in a city and we had an invite to a to a course that I wanted to play or hadn't played before. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, that was kind of off limits for me. And it's not that I was worried about the swing messing up my baseball swing. I wasn't worried about that at okay. all. It's tough enough when you play 162 games, but to throw in 18 holes before a nine-inning game, true, yeah. to me, uh, I didn't think it was very prudent. And especially as you're getting older, I need all I got for, for yeah. you know when that bell rings at 7 o'clock. So fitness golf played a lot in the offseason during my career. I mean, it seemed like I put the clubs down in spring training when the game starts. And with the rare exception of maybe one or two times in the next six or seven months, I'd play. Uh, once that offseason kicked in, you know, I, w- I couldn't wait to get to the course. And I was, you know, I'd play in the offseason three, four, five days a week. And and then once spring training starts, do the same thing. So I played as much as I could in the offseason. Now I, I play when I can. I'm probably three or four times a month guy now. Oh, you know, cool. I got to be careful. I'm getting a little older. My back hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I play some mini tours here or tournaments right. here and there for fun, for charity. Uh, and I enjoy that. But uh, I make one trip a year to uh, to Pebble Beach, which is one of my favorite spots. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's a very cool thing. Home game was the book. It came out, I guess, four or five years ago now. And, I think uh, it did okay. I, I kind of, you know, I, I, I hear it on occasion from people, 
Hey, Brad, I read your book, you know, but it's kind of it's been a, it's been a minute or so now. So I, I really have kind of forgotten about it. But when people bring it up, I said, oh, yeah, that was a cool part of the book. And, and a lot of that, the, the funnest part for me was kind of, you know, the grandpa sections of it. They were yeah. really cool, you yeah. know, kind of getting to relive that in my childhood a little bit. But uh, pretty honest book. It was it was fun. It was an interesting thing. It was it was a uh, it was a learning process for me. It was an educational process. How are books written and the ghostwriters and the process? And mm. it was interesting for me, educational. You know, people say that that Brett had swagger, a little bit of an attitude, a little swagger and stuff. And, you know, you get a little bit of that from the book, but it scared the hell out of me because Brett also did the entire voiceover of the. That's a night. That's a nightmare for me. <laughs> you want to go to sleep? You want to go to sleep? Listen to that voice. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if it's just me. I think it's a lot of us that are that are on radio or TV and. I remember I never like watching. I never like watching myself on TV. I never like listening to myself. It's like, yeah. I don't really sound like that, yep. you know? So, <laughs> right. so I think that's, I, I think that's try doing, doing a whole book. And then you've got, you know, producer in your ear. Well, we're going to have to go through that paragraph again, a little slower, <laughs> a little bolder. And it's 280, 280 pages of that. You yeah. know, it, you think you're sick of your voice now. Try, try doing that. But <laughs> I learned a lot. I was a little worried you were going to come over to our side of, of the table here, Brett. And, you know, <laughs> stay in your lane, buddy. We got a lot going on. Yeah, here that's right. We don't need more competition. <laughs> hey, with a dad in the business and a grandfather in the business, was there ever any question what you were going to do for a living, Brett? Uh, for me, no. Okay. You know, I, I, and it wasn't something that was, it was introduced to me at a young age, but nothing that, nothing was ever forced on. You know, it was just kind of, it's here. If you love it, great. Yep. Kind of join the family business type thing. But no, there was no, I never felt it, any pressure at all. Cool. Any pushing from anybody. It was mm -hmm. just what I was going to do. And, and I kind of figured out at a young age, you know, I was a, I was a baseball rat and I was one of those kids that, I'm going to bug everybody to play catch every day, all day. And, and when I fight, when I run out of buddies to play catch, I'm going to throw that tennis ball against the garage. <laughs> I mean, that's just how I was. Yeah. When I was 10 years old, you know, and I'd be asked, what are you going to do? I'm going to play in the big leagues for 15 years. What do you think? And, you know, I, through high school and college, I'd go in for, to my counseling sessions and they'd be talking about, Hey, what courses do you want to take next semester? I'd say, I don't really care. What do I have to do? <laughs> we got dad in here right now. Like Bring pretending like nothing, nothing's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm in my college, you know, I'm having it uh, with my counselor in college and they'd say, well, what are you going to take next semester? I said, you don't understand. I don't really care. I said, what, what do I need to take to stay eligible? And what grades do I need to stay eligible? Well, Brett, you need a certain amount of units and 2.0. I said, put it on the docket. I'll get you 2.0. It really is nothing. It, it really haunts me now raising kids because they know those stories. And when I'm <laughs> disciplining them about their grades, well, dad, you weren't the best student. They're right. But I'm like, but dad went to the big lakes <laughs> and, and you might not be. Um, I was a very naive kid growing up and I didn't lack for confidence and like I said, from a young age, if you asked me what I was going to do, I didn't hesitate. There was never a doubt in my mind that I was going to do this for a living. Fast forward to, to when I get into my 30s and looking back at that 18-year-old, that 21-year-old kid, I could just laugh at all the things I didn't know and how naive I was. Mm -hmm. And and I like I said, it parts of my career in the nineties, man, I had some really good years and I had some really tough years. So this game really 
humbled me like it does a lot of us. Yeah. And it kind of put things into perspective. I, I got to the big leagues and I thought, all right, what what's next? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to dominate this league. And, and I had some bumps and bruises along the way. And it, big leagues is really hard. But looking back, I wouldn't change anything because I think maybe that that edge that I had or that that real high level of confidence in the long run, I truly believed in myself and, and I believed what came out of my mouth. And that might have served me in a positive way. When I look at a young player that's just coming to the minor leagues and, and he's that real, you know, almost blind confidence. I like guys like that because they believe the first thing we have to do as professionals is we got to believe in ourselves. If we think we're, I'm a big believer. If you believe you're great, you are great. Mm -hmm. And if you don't believe, you probably don't have a chance. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, very naive. <laughs> I've learned my lessons. I could laugh at that, at, at that 18, that 21 year old kid. But now, you know, being in my fifties, I can laugh at that 32 year old guy now. <laughs> and I think that's just life and life pro progression. And I think we all, we all do that. I have just one more question before we take a break and then. Neil comes back with six. We have the uh, Louisville Slugger Museum here in Louisville, where I live. Mm -hmm. and, and I was at the display where you can sit in stand in the batter's box and watch a video of a pitcher throwing a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. And right. I swear you can hear it hit the catcher's mitt before you see the pitcher finish his motion. Right. Is it adrenaline or anything? Does it look slower to you, to a guy who has a batting average like you had? Well, I, I don't think it looks slower. It's just something you do. And it's something I've done my whole life. So, yeah, I can understand not being a professional baseball player, how daunting that could be to just the average guy getting into a cage. But I use, you know, I, if I if I get the chance once in a while to play with the PGA Tour mm -hmm. player. They're in awe of you as a baseball player, and 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 I'm in awe watching them hit a wedge and how <laughs> pure they hit it time after time. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I think it's all relative, you know. I, I think I'm in awe of a of a quarterback that can throw a, a 60 yard pass off his back foot. You know, I watch Aaron Rodgers and some of the throws he makes. I couldn't make those throws, right? But I know he can't get a hit in the big leagues either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think. I think it's just mutual admiration. It's it, and I think it transcends sports. I think it's to other. You know, I I walk into a, uh, an office and 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 meet a gentleman that does um, brain surgery, and I'm in awe of that. Like, wow, right? To to be able to to cut somebody open and do that, it's it's something that I couldn't do. So I think it, it it's just a mutual respect against uh, across professional lines. I got you. I totally understand and agree. We're gonna take a quick break and then come back with a six pack of questions. Don't you go away. Hey, my friend Alan and I played 18 this weekend, and we brought along a new friend, Arnold Palmer Spiked. It's the classic taste of iced tea and lemonade with 5% ABV, made with real juice and brewed teas for a smooth flavor that's as easygoing as, well, sinking a 10-footer for birdie. Arnold Palmer Spike reminds you of those timeless combinations we love, like good friends and laid-back weekends, Fairways and Fairweather, Neil Michaels and John Ashton. For classic refreshment that tastes like a chip-in from the sand, nothing beats an Arnold Palmer Spiked. It's the perfect balance of brewed teas and real juice, now with 5% ABV. Find Arnold Palmer Spiked in a store near you at arnoldpalmerspike.com approach, or search for it on Drizzly and Instacart. That's arnoldpalmerspike.com approach. 2021 Hornell Brewing Company, Memphis, Tennessee. Malt beverage with natural flavor. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, 
are The Approach Shot. I'm John Ashton. He's Neil Michaels. And Brett Boone is about to hit the hot seat. And the six-pack of questions brought to you by Arnold Palmer Spike. Go to arnoldpalmerspike.com slash approach for a retailer near you. Brett, you ready to get on the hot seat? Let's do it. Question one, living or dead, who would you like to spend some time at dinner and talk sports with? Arnold Palmer. Oh, very nice. Yeah. I would have thought maybe a baseball that kind of threw me there. <laughs> I've met enough. I've met enough of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> One laying on a bed in back of you on his phone. <laughs> Unbeknownst. <laughs> Question two. Sports Illustrated does a Brett Boone special that features your best game or single performance. Which is it? Best game or single performance. Single performance. And which one would that be? Maybe I should have said best game. Single performance. Uh, you, you know what's something that stands out to me, and it's something I shared with a teammate. 2002 against Chicago White Sox. Teammate of mine, Mike Cameron, hit four home runs in that game. Mm-hmm. But we went back-to-back twice in the first inning. Nice. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, and I had, I had Mike Cameron on my fantasy baseball team that year. <laughs> Cammy Cammy went on to hit four, and and I told him, the older we get, I'm going to flip that story, and I'm going to be the one that hit four. (laughs) (laughs) Question three. You were just made manager of the all-time favorite Brett Boone baseball team. Name three guys you have to have. I'm going to have Cammy on that team. Are are, are we just – this is my favorite favorite Your favorites, yes. Probably – man, this is so hard. Uh, Probably going to have Edgar Martinez there. And I'm probably going to have Norm Charlton. I'm going to have three different representatives. Edgar's going to be the DH. Cameron's going to be my defense. And I'm going to put, who did I put? Norm Charlton Charlton is going to be my pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Question four. Your brother Aaron will forever be known as Aaron Effin Boone in Boston. (laughs) What nickname do you have that people don't know about? Uh, People are starting to know. But uh, Arnie, mm-hmm. we, everybody calls him that. Everybody calls Aaron in our family Arnie. He's always been that. And uh, I don't know where it came from, but uh, still, I'll call him. What's up, Arn? I, I, I thought for sure it was golf related, but I guess not. No. Question five. Most hilariously embarrassing thing that ever happened to you either on the field or on the golf course? Uh, on the field. Oh shoot! I've embarrassed. I've been embarrassed a lot on the field. We'll go off. We'll go off script. We'll go to the golf course. Uh, seven, eight years ago, I'm playing in a celebrity tournament in Del Mar, California. Uh, few fans. I'm, I've got probably fifteen or twenty as my gallery. I got the shanks, mm. <laughs> and I could not get rid of them. The guy's playing with, you know, I'm walking around and these, you know how the fans line up on the PGA tour yeah. when you hit one into the rough and, and they, you know, they give this, they're lined right there. And I'm, and they do that on, in these celebrity tournaments. And, and I fail, they fail to realize that we're not tour players. <laughs> we are ex athletes that like to play golf. So, you know, I know it's nice when you can just line tiger or Phil, they're not going to hit you, but I can hit you. It's going to hurt. <laughs> But I just re- I just remember kind of finishing out that round, and I, if you've ever had the shanks, uh, you know how how demoralizing it can be, and embarrass- and and it's even to the point where even good friends of yours that are playing in your foursome, they won't even look at you after a while, like, oh no, I don't want those, and they kind of they kind of distance themselves, like they're not your friends anymore. <laughs> Might be contagious. And, uh, I- 
I remember <laughs> had to limp around and pretend like, yeah, I didn't shank another one for 12 holes. I think I had, I was going into eight even. I made a triple bogey because I shanked two balls, went to nine, made a triple bogey on a par three because I shanked two balls. <sighs> and I think I shot, I ended up shooting 50 on the back nine. And that was being gracious. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't stop doing it. We've all had guys that look at us like somehow the shanks are a disease. And if you get too close, they can catch it. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, it, it is. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Question six. We ask this to everybody who comes on the show since we are the approach shot in your approach to life. What one rule do you live by? Um, be true to yourself. You got to be able to look in the mirror. What you say, your actions, you got to be able to look at, look in the mirror and own them at the end of the day. Fantastic. Nice. Because in this world, in in this world, in this game, uh, a lot of politicking and we all have to do it to a certain degree, but, but there's a point where, you know, you got to be true to yourself at the end of the day. Well done. Brett Boone, you are off the hot seat. Well done, sir. Brett Boone is, is also uh, the answer to a great trivia question. Real quick, and uh, up in Cincinnati, end of the 98 season, the entire infield was comprised of two sets of brothers for the first time yeah. and the only time. You and your yeah. brother at, at second and third, and Stephen Larkin and Barry Larkin at first and short. Yep, I remember that. Yep, very cool. Nice trivia question, too. Some to write that down. You may win a trivia contest someday with that, guys. All and right. we talked about this before we came on. I don't know that everybody knows that what we talked about at the very beginning when you were talking about the statue in Louisville, John, but Brett, you are a, a direct descendant, or so they say on the internet, of Daniel Boone. They tell me that. Yep. Um, you know what? I'll just, I'll believe it. <laughs> people people could say Brett Boone was a man. He was a big, big man. We will try really hard not to sing it. <laughs> and we will succeed because singing ain't allowed on the approach shot. <laughs> we thank Brett Boone for spending some time with us, man. Great to meet you, Brett. Thanks, guys. Hey, it's Neil Michaels. And boy, has my grill been busy ever since I got the Get Out and Grill assortment from Omaha Steaks. I started with the New York Strip Burgers. They're bold flavored, they're thick, and they are delicious. Then last night, Butcher cut New York Strip Steaks. Ten ounces of absolute perfection. They're juicy, they're meaty, and they're delicious. This is the perfect Father's Day gift for your dad. So if you want to make his mouth water and make him smile, go to omahasteaks.com and insert the keyword approach. You'll get the Get Out and Grill assortment plus four free New York strip burgers with your order. That's omahasteaks.com keyword approach for your father's best Father's Day present ever. omahasteaks.com keyword approach. And now it's time for Golf is a Funny Game. Wait a sec. What's your problem? It's dark. I can barely breathe. Pull your head out. Back to your hosts, John Ashton and Neil Michaels. We're going back in the archives this week for Golf is a Funny Game. Back to our first ever episode. So forgive Neil's cheap microphone. It got better. But we go back 
to Golly Croup on Golf is a Funny Game. And this week, Golf is a Funny Game is sponsored by Omaha Steaks. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the keyword approach, and make sure you get your dad exactly what he wants for Father's Day. Do it now. Ms. Galley Krupp, uh, she has performed at the Comedy Store, Flappers, Ice House. She is the winner of five comedy competitions in L.A. and recently finished a comedy special with comedy legends Sinbad, Louie Anderson, and Jeff Allen. And she's probably wondering how in the hell she got booked on our show after that. <laughs> this, this is what obviously somebody talked to her before that other stuff happened. You know? <laughs> but first, Gally, want to say hello. Thanks for joining us here on the approach side. And my first question to you would be is how many emails do you get addressed to Gail? Because that's what happens every time I put your name in, spell check changes it to Gail. Yeah, that's the, always the case. I actually changed my name to Gail officially. <laughs> I had no choice. Do they have golf courses in Israel? They do, beautiful ones. Hmm. If you heard about Caesarea? No. Yeah, it's an ancient town. Yeah, very expensive, very beautiful. Yeah, golf is pretty big in Israel. They also use the golf balls to shoot over the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> everything turns into a weapon in Israel. You gotta use everything. <laughs> we have a budget cut for our defense budget. The good news is we have all these golf balls. Yeah. <laughs> everything has the potential to <laughs> to help these. I was in the army too. So I haven't used golf course back then, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I have heard that that basically if life didn't suck for many people, there'd be no comedians. You kind of had an experience that, that turned your life around a little bit and drove you to the comedy road, didn't it? Yeah, we, uh, I think so. It comes from inside. It's such a deep, dark place. Mm-hmm. That's it's actually funny. It's <laughs> the darker, the funnier. Yeah. So <laughs> you heard about you heard about the sad clown, right? Ooh, so yeah. that's yeah. The, the syndrome that most comedians have, yeah. and it's just a way. It's it's a coping mechanism. So basically, we're just we're we're messed up. Yeah, <laughs> and we need you to listen to our problems. That's right. <laughs> it's also we just dump it. <laughs> There's something about us that delights at the misfortune of our friends. We love to laugh at other people's problems. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's a human thing. And comedians, we don't have money for therapy, so we use our audience. <laughs> we put them in a big room and then we start. And they have no choice. The door is locked. They're already paid. <laughs> Nowhere to go. So that's usually the case. I'm a mild case, to be honest. Really? I wasn't. Some experiences like the army and. Mm-hmm. I also think you 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 were technically trained, right? Engineering. Yeah. That yeah. that's a whole different side of the brain from comedy, isn't it? You'd be surprised that there's a lot of math in comedy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I would. There's be surprised. a lot of formulation. <laughs> there's a lot of formulation. Uh, the structure of jokes can be very mathematical, and mm-hmm. it's just I, you know, how many engineer friends I have that are professional comedians? Many, really, many, and they're very funny. They're very good. Yeah, because if both sides of the brain work well, it's 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 a good combination. <laughs> when when you create jokes, do you actually do it formulaically? I don't. It starts as an idea. But down the road, eventually, yeah, I use some kind of uh, formula. Really. Do you have jokes that you do on every set that you just know are winners? Oh, absolutely. Every every comedian has that. We have all, what we call bread and butter. 
It is always Which, work, and then a lot of experiments around it. Bread and butter also sounds like what comedians eat for the first year while they're performing. <laughs> oh, for the rest of their life. <laughs> <laughs> what are a couple of yours? For the rest of their lives, minus the bread. <laughs> it's too much. Some of your bread and butter jokes. What what hits? What what's a home run every time? Oh, I have few that always work. First of all, I joke about my accent. And I let them hear my accent, and then I tell them, well, I'm sure you noticed that I have an accent. Well, I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> just, like, just like John. John, yeah. you're from Kentucky, right? That's where I am right now, yeah. Although I thought it sounded a lot more like Indiana, but that's okay. It's got to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Depends. If I'm in Kentucky, I say Indiana. Right. <laughs> I've been from Indiana before. <laughs> do, you, do you save some of your good... Good jokes, just in case you try one and it doesn't work, and then you have the, the bread and butter one to fall back on immediately to get the audience back with you? Yeah, I, ha I have a routine which makes sense to me anyway. <laughs> 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 and uh, I follow the routine. If it, It's very uh, difficult because I edit as I go mm -hmm. on stage. I use editing. I have an editing machine. So I notice if this type of jokes don't work or they don't make them laugh as much i have to edit and switch to a whole different thing so always based on reaction but the bread and butter they're usually short and and funny and not offensive so uh, it rarely happened that people don't laugh at them i can tell you a few more i mean yes. if you want please more jokes sure. go ahead Absolutely. I'm not used to talking and doing my act. It's either that or that. <laughs> I know my act involves talking, but not like that. <laughs> uh, so the accent is that. Uh, oh, then I tell them, well, I'm from Israel. I'm actually mixed Israeli French. So I'm half Jewish, half racist. Like that. Uh, the joke that I normally open with is, is is true. It's based on reality. I was walking down the street one day and I noticed a flyer on on a tree. It said, "Have you seen this dog? Please call." So I called and said, "No." <laughs> I actually called. That was my very first year in in the U.S. and I was. So naive. I'm still naive, but I saw that sign. I'm like, oh no, I have to help the person. I called him and I said, I just saw your sign about your job. I didn't see him. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible, but it, it made its way to my act exactly. very quickly. <laughs> Then I say, well, I love I love dogs. I actually have a cute little dog. His name is Peev. Oh, I love my pet Peev. He's uh, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, 13 years old. Just had bar mitzvah. Uh, 13, you guys. That's like 97 in human years. Yeah, and he still lives at home. Um, he's a Maltese. Do you know Maltese dogs? They're, yeah, they're, yeah that's sure. beautiful. The little one, they have that beautiful Gorgeous. white, white privilege. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was walking him one day, and someone stopped me. He said, "Oh, I want to pet your dog. Has he had his shots?" I said, "No, he quit drinking." <laughs> <laughs> Lost 
טקילה שוטס מדים הורני. ממה can't afford no more puppies. One day I was walking him, I, he had to go to the bathroom and I didn't have a poopy bug. So I grabbed my business cards and picked up his poop. Well, now I can officially say that I have a sh- shitty career. <laughs> I took him to Petco. A sweet lady came up to me and said, Oh, your dog is so cute. What kind of breed is she? I said, Maltese, and he's a boy. Then she said, Oh, wow, how old is she? I said, 13, and he's a boy. Then she said, oh, my God, bless her heart. I said, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get my cat cremated. But I don't know why everyone tells me I should wait until he dies. <laughs> <laughs> When I moved here, I went to Bank of America to open an account. They asked me, would you like check-in or savings account? I said, well, I'm a comedian. Do you have a GoFundMe account? <laughs> a friend of mine recently told me that I've been working a lot. And he said that I need a vacation. But he said, Gal, you need to go somewhere that nobody knows your name. So I went home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, when I was in high school, my, my English teacher passed away. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you can tell. <laughs> and I was terrible at math I was terrible at math yeah mm-hmm. 50% of the time I was bored the other 80% I slept <laughs> I saw a guy as, as walking down the street one night he was smoking something leaning on a wall almost passing out as I walked by him he said hi I said well I can see that <laughs> I kept walking on that street and I saw two people, I don't know, they looked like homeless guys, semi-naked, making out on a bench. Oh, oh, let me tell you guys, this is the worst picture that I have in my phone. <laughs> so, yeah, what else? I, I used to work in sales, you know. And mm-hmm. blooming gel uh, yeah, for money. Yeah. And then I start doing stand-up at night for attention. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like my job. I remember one day my boss asked me to wear a different look for a change. So I showed up looking happy. <laughs> <laughs> one day... One time we had a meeting and she said, oh, golly, if you stay working for us, what do you think you'll be doing five years from now? I said, crying. <laughs> One day I was late for work. She asked me, hey, what happened? I told her my dog went all over the carpet. I had to clean it. She said, oh, come on. Now look at me and tell me the truth. I said, you're ugly. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing but I lost my job <laughs> now I'm broke and I shop at a 99 cent store and you know sometimes I drive by the dollar tree and I say to myself mm, someday <laughs> I 
I used to have goals. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> I actually like the Dollar Tree. You guys have the Dollar General, right? Oh, yeah. Can understand now why people call you the funny little Jewish girl, though. Oh, they do? Uh, I need to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they whisper it behind your back. Social media is wonderful. It is. It is indeed. Uh, Galley crew. Good stuff. You're going to be anywhere outside of Los Angeles where, you know, real people can go and see it? I'll be in my bedroom for the rest of the year. <laughs> this year has been a, a dream come true. I took NyQuil back in February. I just woke up. <laughs> do you do shows on online for people or uh, are you just not working? Not working. Uh, I had few shows outdoors because, mm-hmm. you know, California, there's a lot outdoors. So it was not bad. Online, to be honest, not really my thing. It's very difficult. Yeah, that was great. You guys are good audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we are just happy that we could give you an outlet. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was very me, very entertaining for let, us, at least. Let me also let people know that uh, people can see some of your uh, previous comedy stuff at galleycrewcomedy.com, and that's G A L I. K-R-O-U-P comedy.com. Thanks for making that easy to spell. Um, <laughs> but, but that's where we saw some of uh, your, your comedy before. And I have to tell you, oh, I've oh. heard some of the jokes that you just told, and they're just as funny the second, third, and fourth time. Oh, good to know. Because I'm sick of them. Golly, <laughs> 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 group. And don't call her Gail. do appreciate you spending some time with us here in your prototype. Texting enrolls you into recurring automated text messages. Message and data rates may apply. Men, want to feel younger, stronger, leaner? You don't have to slow down after 40. Frank Thomas found the secret to staying in shape with the energy and drive of his 20s. Man, you look like you could still hit it a mile. I feel great, too. What gives? After 40, men slow down. It's harder to stay in shape. Why? Our free testosterone levels drop. It happened to me. And then I found Nugenics Total T. New Nugenics Total T is our most powerful man-boosting formula ever because it boosts your free testosterone and your total testosterone. Nugenics Total T helps provide even more energy, performance, testosterone, and muscle-boosting ingredients for even better results. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text GRIT to 321321. Samples are not available in stores. Well, wait. What are you going to do something about it now? I got to try Nugenics Total Tea. Text GRIT to 321321 for your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea. That's G-R-I-T to 321321. Told you she was funny. You did. Told you she had great one-liners. That would be a talent to have at your next party. Yes, that would be a great talent, especially one she's so direct yeah. With her, you know, she and Brett have that in common. There's no BS. They come right at you and you better be ready. Yeah. So if you could just like memorize at least one one-liner for any potential topic that may come up at your next cocktail party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When when one of your best, when one of your funniest punchlines is, so I punched him in the face. <laughs> you have a pretty good idea that, you know, it's not going to be soft comedy. That's that's taking punch just a little too literally. There you go. That's a punch line. Exactly. Well done, sir. Listen, y'all, we, we do appreciate you hanging out, coming around repeatedly. It's a great ego boost for both of us. 
and we absolutely love entertaining you. We, we take this quite seriously, even though we're never serious. Right. We don't take ourselves seriously, but we take what we do seriously. And we appreciate you coming here and enjoying it in the manner to which we would like to have you enjoy things. So, And if you are enjoying us, feel free to go back and, and download some of our previous shows. And even more so, tell some of your friends about this. We would love to continue to grow the audience. And for those of you who are with us on a regular basis, we appreciate it. John and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We're also thrilled that we have people outside of the U.S. who are listening to us in Canada and Great Britain and Australia and France. So uh, thank you around the world for listening to The Approach Shot. And remember that golf, which we talk about now and again. Every once in a while. <laughs> golf flavor. <laughs> was, was invented and called a game by the same people who invented music and called that, or, excuse me, no. That and, was great. Then I blew it. I blew you it do big the same time. Same ending every show, <laughs> and John just drifted off right there. Did you hear that? Did you just hear him? Just there he went. I went away Sorry, for a John. minute, but I'm back now. That's not right. <laughs> the same people Take invented it. golf and called it a game uh-huh. that invented bagpipes and called it music. Thank you. Thank you very well much. Well done. Well done. And remember, life. Unlike John's memory is a gift. <laughs> Go open it. You've been listening to The Approach Shot with the Weekend Golf Guys. If you like this week's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. And find us on the web at ApproachShot.net. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. You only want what's best for your baby. And so does BJ's. BJ's offers a variety of baby products that will take you from playtime to bath time to bedtime and beyond. Shop now through September 24th at BJ's for $3 off Johnson's, Aveeno, or Desitin baby products. Only the best will do when it comes to caring for your little ones and for parents, too. Give your baby that special care and save big at BJ's.